going everyone welcome to game over montreal uh that was a game uh it's not as entertaining as the last game but you know back-to-back games where the canadians give up 50 50 shots uh first time in franchise history so they're still making records uh they blew a golden chance to try to win their second straight game for the first time this season but let's Let's not get too deep into the negatives here. Let's welcome in an amazing guest from Scorch Stack, Mike Fail. How's it going, Mike? Oh, I'm I am thriving. It is a beautiful night here at Edmonton. I, I I can't be happier to be here right now. Yes, I assume that you are enjoying how the Edmonton Oilers are playing right now. Oh, it's there's there's nothing more important in life to me uh, than seeing this team miserable. I would gladly take on 30 more years of it than never see the Calgary Flames win a cup. But, uh, you know, every day is great when when they're miserable. I mean, there's the only thing better than your own success is watching the people that you hate fail, right? Oh, my entire adult life is built on that. I wouldn't be here where I am without uh, living by those words. <laughs> oh, man, the Oilers. We've we got to talk about the Oilers a bit tonight because, I mean, frankly, this game was not... Uh, that entertaining. I kind of feel bad for Sam Montembeau. Back to back, probably his two best performances of the year uh, here, and and facing so many shots, unbelievable. I have not seen uh, a team give up that many shots. Just I I know that the like Vegas is a good team. Dallas is not a good team, but uh, at least they squeaked one out against Dallas. But it's uh. This team is uh it's got a long way to go to put it mildly. They're hard to watch, yeah. frankly. Yeah, I, I, I will had a say I'm watching. Yeah, you had a good time watching. I mean, Vegas I, is fun to watch. I will say one yeah. thing though, and that is that over the last two games the intensity has been a lot higher from this team. Like a lot of guys who maybe weren't bringing it to the level that you expect in the highest level professional league for the sport have kind of kicked it up a notch. I don't know if that's just a coincidence that it happened when Tyler Toffoli came back, but it sure seems like he's driving it a little bit and like his passion kind of bleeds through a little. Yeah. Future Calgary flame, Tyler Toffoli uh, looked great tonight. Uh, I mean, I've always been a Toffoli fan, you know, dated back to when he was in LA. Um, I was going to ask you though, with the amount of shots you're giving up, how comparable is it to like disaster era, Buffalo Sabres hockey is it comparable or are they on a different trajectory I'm not sure like I haven't looked into it because I think that the the Sabres were definitely worse by like expected goals and stuff like that but the Canadians are worse in terms of like winning games there's only the only team that I could find since 1990 that wasn't an expansion team or one year removed from expansion that was on pace for basically 16 or fewer wins in a season or 15 or fewer wins in regulation because one of the Canadians wins is in the shootout was the like 1990-91 Nordiques who were tanking for Eric Lindros right and this is not a purposeful tank like as much as things have gone wrong now like it's clear like the Canadians management isn't trying to do anything to fix the situation for this season 
because they need that top end pick. But like they're spending something like ninety six million dollars this year on their roster. Now part of that's to Shea Weber and you know Carey Price hasn't played, Joel Edmondson hasn't played. There's a lot of guys out, but this was not a team that was supposed to be bad. They expected to make the playoffs or at least push for the playoffs. So it's a pretty unique situation, I think, to have things fall apart this badly. Yeah, uh, I I feel for a lot of folks, yourself included, uh, who were maybe a little high on this team or um, thought they could have built off of it. I was a little skeptical through all of last season. I'm sure like a lot of folks were. Um, I think, like you said, maybe the more disappointing perspective for me is like somebody who doesn't really watch a lot of Habs games is, you know, there's no Carey Price. Last time I was on here, we kind of talked about that. Um, he's just always entertaining, but I think... I don't. I don't really know the roster all too well, and I'll, but I'll. I'll, try, I'll. You know, pretend that I do. But uh, there's just not a lot there, and I still, for the life of me, don't understand what Josh Anderson is as an NHL player. But maybe somebody can correct me. Uh, it's it's tricky. There's like very few bright spots. Um, outside of like the goaltending performance, uh, I really like. Arturi Lekkonen, but I think I always have a soft spot for, you know, third liners who play on the penalty kill really aggressively. And like I said, Tyler Toffoli looked really great tonight. Um, somebody will correct me if I'm wrong on that, but there's nothing really enjoyable. I think nine times out of 10, if I saw a Habs game on TV that I wasn't going to watch if they were playing the Flames or um, I was coming to talk to you, I'd probably be like, you know what? I'm going to watch a rerun of like Gossip Girl or uh, Forensic <laughs> Files, something a little bit more with a little bit more substance. Yeah, I mean, it's nice to have have to watch, right? And you're you're getting remuneration for watching. Uh, so that's that's driving me. That's for sure. I it's definitely a season that if I wasn't paid to cover the team, I would be tuning out. So I, I don't really, I don't blame anybody who's tuned out. I think that it's entirely money, reasonable. Andrew. It is. I mean, a hundred percent. For this team, I love hockey. And frankly, you know what? Yeah. And I haven't really talked about this in like uh, public so much, but let's do it now because it's a late night stream. Let's get into but, it. Yeah, let's let's do some psychology, uh, some late night therapy. But, you know, give people a reason to listen because uh, obviously the game didn't give. I mean, I guess there were some decent moments, right? But uh, overall, the game didn't give us much to talk about. But over the last couple of years, I'd kind of been losing my passion for hockey. Like it yep. just like it just wasn't sticking with me. And then when I got laid off last Christmas, it was like really tough for me to gut through last season. It like started late and it, it was like starting to feel like for the first time since I started writing about hockey in like 2009, 2008, 2009, it felt like a job. And I was like, damn, am I going to have to do something else? Like something else, some other passion that I have, am I going to have to lean into it? Should I just start doing a different kind of content creation? Should I talk to like some friends that I know who have worked in comics and start doing that instead? But then this year, where first of all, I'm doing something different now. I'm not just writing all the time or like just doing a podcast. I've got like the podcast stuff. I've got this video stuff. Most of my work now is actually on video. So it's like a completely different change up for me. I'm like flexing different muscles in covering the game. And also, uh, my oldest son started watching the first period with me on like the normal game nights, right? Like when it starts at seven and he's kind of getting into it. And like, we play hockey in our back alley every weekend. And like yesterday, him and my youngest miles, they wanted to play mini sticks 
because I got the Ooh. mini sticks for Christmas and I played for like half an hour and I was like, mini sticks is a lot more painful than I remember. Because <laughs> first of all, they're swinging them around at my head height. And second of all, when you're going on 35, sitting, standing on your knees for a long time is uh, not that comfortable. <laughs> Neither is bending over and like ruining your back. But, you know, well, I'm having fun. lifestyle ruins our knees and our backs. It's hard out here for us. You know, we've been in this for almost a decade exactly like i don't know about you but when i was going to like elementary school we had like this little uh because growing up in alberta we moved there when i was 11 all the schools were overcrowded in fort mcmurray so we had like attachments onto them like the Mm -hmm. temporary parts they would attach to the school and we had one bit that was like a attachment for a door to go outside but it was also long this way and during recesses in Alberta in the winter, there were days where like you couldn't go outside. So they had like intramural stuff. And then like, there was some kids who didn't want to do that who played in this little area. And we played like handball hockey with like a soft hockey ball. And we'd be on our knees and just like whipping it at each other. And like, I would not be able to do that for very long right now, but yeah, yeah. some wear and tear on those knees playing uh, children's games. But yeah. I, just, I mean, the passion of seeing my kids get into it. And, like Dylan, he's like obsessed with Nick Suzuki it's bringing me back in a little bit and that's kind of saving it a little. Yeah. I, I don't have kids. I don't have any paternal instincts. I <laughs> you got will, dogs. I mean, yeah. I mean, she's, she's over there sleeping on the bed, but it's, it's kind of tricky for me. I like, I hear like so many folks like yourself, you know, you, you and Kish have two kids now and there are lots of people on hockey Twitter, like first kids and everybody's like really excited about bringing their children into it. And part of me was like, I wonder if you could do that at one point. And then I have to like stop and like, no, that's not me. Um, but I know like for my dad, when I was a kid, um, he kind of had lost it for a while too. Like he grew up a, a Leafs fan in Ontario, moved out to Alberta, met my mom. They pooped me out. Next thing you know, I'm kind of figuring out, you know, how to watch TV as a kid. And, you know, I'm watching Hockey Night in Canada and that kind of brought him in. Um, kind of go back to the, the, like the childhood, like school thing. Uh, I grew up in like Chetwind, obviously, you know, fantastic place in the mountains you know home of Derek England former Stanley Cup champion I want to say Derek England it doesn't Derek, really matter Derek England of the famous that's per year Bob McKenzie that's tweet former home of former San Jose Shark and New Jersey Devil Dodie Wood uh but I grew up going to a country school so we had like a rink and all that stuff so I was skating at an early age and you know playing hockey and stuff like that uh but when we had you know Snow days are days where we couldn't go outside because it wasn't like too cold to go outside. It was like there was a bear on the playground or there's an <laughs> elk or a moose where we would do like intramurals and stuff like that. But uh, the the kind of passion with writing and watching hockey, I think the last few years have been kind of tricky for that. Um, I took a step back from writing and doing a lot of stuff. I started playing World of Warcraft. Uh, you know, get back into my roots of being a, a neckbeard who doesn't leave his house and he's playing World of Warcraft with, you know, people my age and uh, not paying attention to hockey. And it was kind of a nice reprieve. You come back in, I started doing stuff with like the Scorch Shack guys and the passion's kind of back. And then I'm starting to see like folks like yourself pivot to video, you know, the dreaded pivot to the video pivot thing. To that happened. Oh God. But it's actually working because I think we're kind of at the point where writing about hockey and like being like, Hey, this player is great. Here's X, Y, and Z numbers proving it. And here's like a video clip being like, Oh, look, here's a play breakdown. It's kind of boring. We need to start moving in a direction like, like what you're doing. And it keeps people kind of 
engaged and you're able to have like the fan interaction with the chat and stuff like that. And it's just, it's, I think this is like the necessary step in terms of covering hockey. Um, and hopefully it keeps your passion going and then you can get Dylan, you know, playing hockey. Hopefully if it's not, you know, $80,000 to keep the yeah. kid in hockey, his age. Yeah. I was going to say, this is going to have to be a very successful show for Dylan and miles to be in hockey. <laughs> so we got to get a sponsorship like yeah. bubbly. Can exactly. get oh yeah, Buble, bring it on! I'll be sponsored. Yeah. I'll do- take any sponsorship. I'll- I'm a complete sellout. I need the money. These kids need yeah. to play hockey. Clearly, Dylan's already asking for skating lessons, and unfortunately, we tried this year, and everything was closed because of COVID. So he gets to learn skating from me, who can barely skate anymore, because <laughs> I ruined my ankles when I was younger because I decided to. Uh, I don't know if like if where you lived, you had this, but like in the suburbs where I grew up. We had behind our house was a highway, so we had a berm. It was like a big dirt mound. And I was drinking with a friend of mine when I was like 19. And we were pre-drinking, and we decided we were going to take a cab downtown. But for some reason, we didn't want to take it from my house. So we walked over the berm to walk along a trail to a gas station to get the cab. This is quintessentially like, small town Alberta and yes, Canada. Just I love being it. stupid. And I stepped in a gopher hole. And didn't notice because I was inebriated and I just heard like pop, pop, pop and fell over. And my friend was like, you okay? Keep going. I was like, yeah. And then I proceeded to (laughs) walk the two kilometers or whatever it was to the gas station. And the next day when I woke up, I tried to step out of my bed and I just like collapsed after I put weight on it. And it turned out tore some ligaments. So, I mean, I grew up in a trailer park, so uh, we didn't walk two kilometers because it was like you know 10 kilometer drive you, you die out there in chatwind a cougar would come down from the mountains and get you i remember one time i was in elementary school and every parent had to meet you at the bus stop because a cougar had came down from the hill and it was in the it was in the trailer park so dogs couldn't go outside cats couldn't go outside children couldn't go outside everybody's going stir crazy and there's this goddamn cougar running around so Kids my age, you'd be drinking, try to try to hitchhike to town. The cougar's gonna get you, and it's not the good kind of cougar. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, there's a couple comments here. Somebody saying uh, making your children watch the halves right now is a great punishment. I mean, here's the thing: when you have like a four year old and they're only watching the first period, they don't really get that the team is bad. So, like yesterday when we were playing mini sticks, his are like Montreal Canadiens ones. And I got two for Miles as well that are like uh, Team Canada ones. So like everybody in the house has a mini stick. And he was like, I have the Montreal one because they never lose. And I was like, oh, but <laughs> if only you could oh, have, if only but... I could have that childlike whimsy when I watch sports still. Yeah, I know. It's like you weren't born in the 1970s, kid. It's uh, it's not that way anymore. But yeah, and somebody else was saying, God, I could not uh, want my kids to cheer for the Oilers. You could watch McDavid's greatness, but please, please don't cheer for the team. Yeah, I get that. I I feel like the thing is, like, this is almost the best possible time for a kid to get into the Canadians because it's the beginning of a very big change. So, like, they don't understand Mm -hmm. the losing part. And by the time they understand what's going on fully and they're old enough to stay up for a full game, maybe they'll be good. The Oilers, I mean, yeah. The Oilers are the Oilers. This is what they do. I do think the Oilers will come out of it. Uh, before we get to the Oilers, though, I do want to just mention a couple things about the game because if we do have any Canadians fans that are watching, they're probably annoyed that uh, I haven't talked about the game much. I was on the Habs, or not Habs Insider anymore. That's been a long time since it's been that. The Hockey Inside Out show uh, earlier on Thursday. 
Today, Thursday? Yes, today, this morning. And it came out already. You can find it on the Montreal Gazette or on YouTube, Hockey Inside Out Show. And we talked about uh, recently Dom Ducharme made Michael Pozzetta a healthy scratch. And he's scored in both the games since then. He's like crazy hard worker, continues to put forth every tiny little bit of effort you could imagine because he's desperate to stay in the NHL, basically. I don't think he should come out of the lineup again because the way that this team plays this year, it's you got to have somebody who brings the emotion every game, right? And even if you're bad and you know you're going to lose, I think having a guy that does that kind of makes it not suck as much for everybody else in the team, if you know what I mean. Like, if everybody's, yeah. like, just shoulders slumped all the time, if your team is all Mike Hoffman's, yeah, I know he scored tonight, but he doesn't care that much, frankly. I don't know if you saw, but, like, the Mike Johnson greatest analyst on television besides Ray Ferraro was highlighted. It, I think it was in the first period of it, like his pregame routine. He's out there like air guitaring on the bench. Yeah. Like how can you not want this guy to thrive and, and get like a big contract that maybe he can't live up to, but like, he's just out there doing his own thing. Is it, uh, it's one of those things. Like, I feel like when you go through like the, the Corsi wars and the stats thing all nine, and you go through like the ebb and flow of like fandom in the sport and like being an analyst or a fanalist, eventually you just kind of go back to your roots and you're just like, I want this guy to thrive. He seems like a really nice person. Presumably I've only observed him play hockey, like the two times I've been on the show now, but I did notice him tonight and I thought it was really exciting. Um, At that point, like when, like you said, the team's garbage or is on the trajectory of garbage. I should say they're in the hunt for playoff picks over the playoffs. Why don't you just keep this guy in the lineup? It keeps the energy up. It keeps fans engaged. Like, at the very least, if the team is miserable one night, they still can look forward to that type of person. Yes. And latch onto him. And it builds, I think, like a healthy joy with like role players. Um, yeah, Cause you never want to like go all in on them and say they're untouchable. But like, this is the kind of guy that can help shepherd in new fans and, and maybe fans on the cusp of leaving and keep them like keep the game on the TV because it's the last thing you want. It's like ratings to slip and all of a sudden, you know all hell's going loose. Yeah, a hundred percent. And like you said, that, that bringing the energy keeps people engaged both on the team and in the stands. Not, there's going to be many people in the stands in Quebec. I I don't know what the restrictions are right now, but I think they're going probably the same route as Ontario with like max of like 250 or 500 people or something, which almost seems worse than no fans because you've got Mm -hmm. like one person in each section, basically. So that's uh, not great. But yeah, uh, comment here. Uh, Pizzetta brings some joy. Yeah, it should. And uh, hockey should be fun. 100%. It should. He brings some fun. And there's only so many games that you could watch out of 82 where you end up mad or like despondent, you know, and for people whose like emotional state is dependent on how their favorite team performs. I mean, first of all, please find a way to get away from that life. Cause listen, I've been there. I used to be that kind of person and it's, it's miserable of <laughs> your mood. It's be dependent on a hockey team or any sports yeah. team. But I second of all, say. of course you love players like that because they give you something, something, anything to cheer for. He scored with his face last game. Ooh, That's great. Hold on. Why are you telling me about this guy? He's scoring with his face. Yeah. He took a deflection oh, right off his for- face. He should eat for free for the rest of his tenure in Montreal. Who 100%. does that? I can't do that. Look at my nose. I can't score with that. It's too big. 
if anything, it would make it bigger and the puck would deflect and hit a child in the stands. And all of a sudden, like everybody's like, Mike Snow's got into trouble again. Like this guy, okay, I'm in. I'm in on this Michael Pretzel, Prezetta, whatever his name is. I'm in. Scores with his face, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, he. it's like, you, you got to have that, right? You got to have something to to look forward to. And I think Pizzetta 100% brings that. And the crazy thing about Pizzetta, honestly, is that he's also not like a, for a role-playing guy, he's not a huge drag on like the underlying numbers. Uh, he's not doing as well as when he was first called up, but he had like a 10-game stretch where it was like him, uh, Belzeal, and I forget who was the third person on the line, but they were like absolutely dominating the shot attempts and the expected goals. They weren't getting the results, because obviously the skill level is not super high, but he's starting to get them now, which is kind of great. But uh, he, he doesn't seem like a drag on that stuff, which is like, hey, this kid might actually be decently valuable. Obviously, you don't want to sign him to a huge contract because I'm hold just on, hold on, hold on. against it. But yeah, math people like him. The nerds who don't watch the <laughs> games like him scores with his face. Lots of energy. Does the air guitaring. He, he's got all of the key demographics of hockey covered. He's got 100%. He's got us. He's got the Gen Z people. He's got the boomers. He, I don't know if there's like a secret generation in Montreal with Habs fans, but he's probably got those guys. Like, he's the whole deal. Let's yeah, put the exactly. On the only thing that he has that's like a negative is that he takes a ton of penalties, which he's actually been cutting down on recently, I think. So that's good. Uh, yeah, another shout out to Sam Montembeau. Uh, 50 shots against what have I got for notes here? Oh, uh, I was joking on the. HIO show, I'll shout that out again. That we like every time the Canadians allow a goal against they're the Sharat Savard pairing, like the camera just like pans to them. And I joked to Stu Cowan in direct messages during the game that, like, even when for the rest of the season, when the Canadians allow a goal, because it always pans to Savard first whenever he's on the ice, just like you know, how, like broadcasts do that, right? They, they pan to who like the broadcaster thinks it was like at fault for the goal. And like, this was a thing that I used to get really annoyed at that uh, the Canadians broadcast would always do with like PK Subban, where it was like, had nothing to do with them, but the goal would go in and be like, and it's PK Subban. And then everyone who's watching, who isn't like a hardcore would be like, oh, it was his fault. Cause that's like the connection that your brain makes automatically. And they do that a lot with Savard this year. But I was joking that even when Savard's not on the ice, like he's on the bench and they allow a goal, they should just pan to him on the bench. Just like. Just push it. Just do it as a bit for the rest of the season. Why not? Just dig in. But I don't think he deserves that. It's just, you know. Okay. Berkshire's so, dripping like a faucet. I don't know what you're talking about. Are you, Do you need a towel? Do you need like a paper towel? No, I'm you not don't sweating. look moist. I'm not you sweating. look good. Do I, am I sweating? It might be the, jacket, the light. Maybe I'll turn down the uh, the, no, the game no here jack. a little he's bit. Looking I don't know. He's looking He's looking human like he's gone outside. It's good. Maybe he's talking about my haircut. I don't know. Should I, I turn down the light on my dome? Like, is it too <laughs> reflective? I don't know. Now I'm self-conscious. I don't know what's going on, but I'm not sweating. Good. I'm a big guy. I know when I'm sweating. Okay. <laughs> now I'm getting all red. Uh, but yeah, uh, let's talk about the Oilers because uh, this is fantastic. Frankly, it's fantastic content. It is incredibly funny. Uh, the Jim Matheson thing was hilarious <laughs> because like, I don't know how you feel about Jim Matheson. I feel like a lot of people while hockey wasn't on like really warmed up to Jim Matheson because his political takes are actually fantastic, but his like hockey hot takes are oddly not. So the, I need, I need to clear the air here. 
I need to let everybody know who has been in my mentions for the last few days of my like bootlicking of Jim Matheson that I do legitimately think he's the greatest hockey writer Edmonton has ever had. There, there is nobody better than him. I mean, maybe make a case for Terry Jones for when he tweets out weird things. Um, but he has been at this longer than I've existed. So Jim Matheson has been covering this game more than, you know, it's like 40 plus decades at this point. He's 72. He can barely tweet. He has likely been locked out of like 18 different Twitter accounts that he's forgotten the password to and forgotten his email to. And he decides to pick a fight, not with Connor McDavid, but with Leon Dreisaitl, which, I mean, I personally would have went after Connor McDavid, but he goes after Leon Dreisaitl and he doesn't back down. And there's lots of criticism of, you know, why he would say that, why he would goad him into an easy quote, something that's going to get a headline. And then, you know, quintessential Oilers fans, they take it a little too far. Like his mentions are just awful. You know, I can disagree with the things that he says, or like Mark Spector, for example, or Derek Van Deest or Jason Greger or Ryan Rizog. There's a lot of bad ones in Edmonton, we'll say. It's, it's, I don't... If I say that they're bad, everybody's going to get mad that I'm slandering these guys. But like they they are cut of a cloth that I am not cut of. And mm-hmm. they say things that I wouldn't say. And then there's like another separate section of guys like Kurt Levins, Dave Staples. But there's a few good ones, you know. Can we we can say Dave Staples is bad? Uh, for his hockey opinions and opinions on everything else other than hockey. Yes, 100%. literally and, all of his opinions are bad. But. Jim picks a fight with a heart trophy winner and a goal scoring phenom and a guy that 31 other teams want on this team. And the internet goes insane. There are, like I said the other day, there are people who love Jim Matheson. There are people who want his head on a pike. I'm not cool with a 70 year old head on a pike, but it happens. (laughs) And suddenly it's, you know, world war three, you know, the, the troops in the trenches in the media, they're, they're going to bat like, the takes are phenomenal. It's peak like Corsi Wars, you know, with the most absurd things that could ever be said on Twitter and hockey Twitter. Um, and we're kind of at this point where there's this, there's this growing sense of like Edmonton fans thinking they, they deserve a better kind of like coverage of their team and the sport and more intelligence. And I don't know if, that goes hand in hand. I don't think that they're really deserved anything. I think if like, if you want better coverage of your team, read better writers and follow better people on Twitter. I, I don't know how to say this anymore. Like there's an element of like feigning outrage to get upset about this and yeah. making a bigger deal than it is. And I do wonder though, like on that point, part of that is like, they want the people that they do already read to get like uh, access. Right. Cause the others are notoriously like, pretty harsh with like the the blogging community right yeah but at the same time it's like if you want better analysis on how the team is handling things or like how they should go about things read low tide alan's been doing this for yeah what 20 years like he's an og guy read jonathan willis read dan nugent brown yeah they exist read sunil um aglihody and i hope i didn't butcher his name but like he runs a super fan he's an incredible follow and he's gotten tons of coverage on like local tv and stuff like that um there are amazing voices i mean 
you can, if you put the effort into it, there are, you know, Weibo, Oilers Paint on Twitter, fantastic follow. Oh my God. He had a thread the other day that was just like a throwdown that sounded like it was like stream of conscious prime Dave Chappelle. Where he was talking about, yeah. like, don't you come at me. I will destroy you. He was, like, <laughs> yeah. in a rap battle with, like, general Twitter. It was really good. Yeah. Highly it's, recommend it's, him as a follow, Oilers Pain. I've been in this city for 15 years, and over that time, the Oilers have had, like, a winning percentage of 47%. Am I the reason that they, they're suck, you know, they're garbage, and they, they can't get out of their own two feet and, you know, build around two superstars and do everything right? Who's to say? Am I going to leave Edmonton? No, not a chance. I love it here. It's fantastic. City city. Canada. Oh yeah. But it's, it's one of those situations where there there's no easy way to fix this, right? Like everybody's like fire Holland, fire Bob Nicholson and get rid of the Bobby Nixberger, get rid of Daryl Cates, make him sell the team to somebody. It's like, who's going to nobody. He's not going to sell the team. The dude grew up idolizing this entire franchise. He's built his entire adult life about getting rich and buying the Oilers. Not going to get rid of Bob Nicholson very easily. And who are you going to replace him with? Some other hockey guy. I'm not going to get rid of Ken Holland very easily. Who are you going to replace him with? Craig McTavish. He's had like 18 runs in this city. Bring I Kevin Lowe back. The wheel. Yeah, bring Kevin Lowe back. I mean, who knows? And it's just, it's just one of those things. Oh yeah, somebody's saying in the chat, Wood guy, Darcy's great. Yes, he's been around for a while fantastic. Too. So it's just like one of those things where um, the the team. You can fire these people. They're not going to, the, the people coming in aren't going to fix this in a year or two. This is like a three or four year thing. And then at that point, what's left? McDavid's approaching the end of his contract. Dry Sidle's going to be at the end of his contract. Uh, Kyler Yamamoto is going to be slightly taller. Jesse Pugliarvi is going to have like a herd of buffalo outside of Edmonton and Elk Island named after him. I don't know. It's not easy. And then you still got like whatever is left of Mike Smith. If he's resigned again at that point, because I'm assuming some hockey guy that comes in is going to sign Mike Smith again. He's going to be like 50. Oh my and the God. camera's still going to be panning to him every time the go- puck goes in. And he's looking at one of his players like, he's the one who did this. He's the one who did it. Kind of like the David Savard camera, except it's like the Mike Smith camera. And he's always looking for somebody to blame. So I don't know. I, I really don't care who comes in and fixes this. And we haven't even talked about Dave Tippett. I'm just here for the show because I know it's going to be like another five or six years of the meandering, wasting time, making my life a whole lot better. Everybody's going to be laughing. It's great. I mean, they will, if they actually mess this up, they will be the first team that I can think of that could actually go coupless with like multiple generational players. Like it it makes no sense that you could actually be this bad. The Flyers. Yeah, you're right. But you know what though? The Flyers made like good pushes consistently. Like things went wrong for them and they ran into like the Detroit Red Wings who were just flat out better in the final. But yeah, yeah, the Flyers. I mean, I talked to John LeClaire relatively recently and I oh, asked him like uh, like in retrospect, looking at how great that Red Wings team was that swept them in the final. I was like, does it make it like a little bit easier to think about? And he was like, no, not <laughs> at all. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> so nope, doesn't feel any better. Um. The Oilers, I talked about it before, uh, what I would do if I was in charge of them right now would be, and I don't care how much you have to move money around, because anyone who's saying like, oh, it's too much against the cap, blah, 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 trade for Marc-Andre Fleury, you can figure out a way to make it work. 
because you need solid goaltending. And I feel like just his presence would be big in the, in the locker room, something they need, some levity, somebody who brings something likable to that team. And I would fire Dave Tippett and hire Claude Julian because Julian has consistently proven that he can extract blood from a stone at even strength with his rosters. And they always, always outplay teams. His teams always outplay teams at even strength because the Oilers, the special teams are fine. If they can figure out just being like middle of the road at even strength, I think they'll put it back together. And their PK is really bad too lately. So it's like the wheels are falling off. Um, I'll throw this to like the chat. The chat's hyped on Monty. Why don't the Oilers go out and get him, you know, pay a little bit of a ransom, bring him in. See, I was going to suggest that if they couldn't get flurry, they should go after Jake Allen, but coming out of the post game comments today, the Canadians just announced that, Jake Allen will be out eight weeks with a lower body injury, which coincidentally takes him directly to the trade deadline, which if they were planning on moving him is death for that move. (laughs) It's really hard to move an injured goalie. And he's had this is second injury this year. So that's probably not going to happen, but horrible news for the Montreal Canadians down the stretch. I guess good news that Montembeau has looked decent, but, uh, that's that's rough. If Carey Price isn't going to come back anytime soon, that puts them in a really tough situation for goaltending. Yeah, maybe maybe the Oilers can trade for Montembeau, move Koskin in, gives like the Habs a little bit of better goal goaltending. I don't think Miko Koskinen is anything to write home about after six goals tonight and the trajectory that his season's been on. But there's a way. I, I feel like in order to tie this back into the, the Hab-centric elements of this, this wonderful program you run, anything that can hurt the Oilers long-term and also benefit the Habs, the wonderful, wonderful Montreal Canadiens and their wonderful, wonderful fans and the wonderful viewers of your fine establishment and show here, I'm all for. I want everybody to be thriving and, and benefiting here. Um, the one thing I'll say about like the, your, you know, your comment about like if you ran the Oilers and you'd bring in Fleury, I don't want to bring that negativity on that guy. He's been through too much. <laughs> He's too nice. I, I rarely say that about any athletes or any hockey players. I'm just like, no, screw them. Let them suffer. They're rich. They're better than me. They'll they'll achieve much more in their retirement than I ever will in my, my best years of my existence. But don't send him to the city. It was really cold for like a month. You know, people are miserable. He's too chipper. You know, he, he doesn't need that. And the Oilers already have Brendan Perlini, who's like, the gospel of positivity and, you know, always looking on the bright yeah. side. Yeah. I saw that little interview going around. That was like right before the dry side of one went viral. It just kind of got overshadowed by it, but what a philosophical, nice guy. Hockey needs more of that. I mean, if it turns out that Michael pretzel Prezetta or whatever is his name is now, I'm still a big fan of him. I just want to make that very clear. Great guy. <laughs> Numbers, air guitar, energy. If it turns out that he talks like that too, Trade him to Calgary, give him a nice contract so I can cheer for him. But compensation for stealing Paul Byron. You really want to go there? Yeah, it's uh, it's one of those things like the hockey, like hockey needs more of that. And I don't know what it takes to get those types of people like talking that way. Maybe not every hockey player is wired that way. Maybe there's only a small percentage of them, but it's really refreshing. I think it's a weirdly Edmontonian way of looking at things. Uh, and he's really only been an oiler for what, like a year and a half, two years. I don't know. I have no idea. Not that great. I don't really think about Brandon Perlini. I never did until this week. Um, but what he said was, you know, kind of quintessential, like 
McCreary mentality. Like things are bad. They're going to get better. It was like, it was like oddly kind of like beautiful and serene, you know, and there, and somebody was kind of like, I don't know which Edmonton media member asked it, but they were trying to like trip him up at the end. They're like, yeah. So like, when are you going to get back to the winning? And he was, he just had this like really nice smile. And he was like, next game. (laughs) Unfortunately, he was very wrong because he just got blown out today. And then he got injured in practice. So wonderful things. I mean, that's what happens in hockey. Yeah. You try to be a good person. You get hurt. Uh, Someone asking, has Andrew seen the Jake Allen news? Yeah, we just talked about it, Steph. Unfortunate for the Canadians. Uh, injury that takes him right to the trade deadline. That's uh, it's thin at the goaltending position in Montreal these days. Really rough. But uh, other than that, was there anything that you wanted to get to, Mike? Because I will be very glad to go to sleep. <laughs> uh, I'd like to tell everybody about the Calgary Flames very quickly. Yes, do they that. Beat, they they beat the Panthers. Everything is going to be okay. The losing streak ends now. They're going to go on a run. They're going to go trade for a bunch of people. They're going to win the cup. It's going to be great. I, ju- I mean, Don't hold me to it, but like that's the vibe right now. Will it change in 72 hours? Like The weather? Yes, 100%. But the vibes are immaculate right now. Let's just keep the positivity going. Let's keep armchair GMing ways to make the Flames better. Let's keep armchair GMing ways to make the Habs better, too. We got to get everybody feeling these, this way. Take this energy of the Oilers sucking, internalize it. Would the broadcast then, would the broadcast sue us if we said uh, we got to get the vibes up? I don't want to mess with Sam. She's smarter <laughs> than me. She's a, she's a she, lawyer. She's busy though. She's busy right now. She won't see. <laughs> she, I know. I know she had the baby, but Georgia's smart too. Vanessa's smart. I don't want to fight Mallory. She's too powerful. This is true. I've seen her energy. Vanessa you know, will just call us old. I don't, I don't want to deal with that. I respect them too much, but I don't know if we just take all of the animosity that Oilers fans are feeling, internalize it, push it forward into a team we care about. I think we're all going to be okay. <laughs> Maybe it's a therapy getting to me. Who knows? Oh man. Positive vibes to end the show. Thanks so much, Mike. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. I know that like what I've been saying at the end of every show is every single person that tunes into this. I love you dearly because it's very tough right now to get hyped up to consume Montreal Canadians content, probably especially content that isn't like ranting and raving and angry yelling, which I've been trying to like avoid because for me, it wouldn't be authentic anymore. Cause I don't get that way about this team, especially now that like uh, the person who's responsible for building this shit show is gone. So like, there's nothing to really yell about, but uh, somebody questioning is Andrew covering women's Olympic ho- hockey. Stay tuned. Maybe an announcement about something to do with the Olympics. Subscribe to game over international on Spotify Sub- or Apple music. Yeah. Let yeah. me throw this one out here. Just make sure everybody's where the subscribe to scorch stack. Yes. In, that's when we've been putting that in the stack. You can find the scorch stack link on the YouTube channel description or Ooh. in the podcast description. It's in there. It's a fantastic, uh, would you call it a blog? Substack? We are a newsletter and a growing multimedia organization uh, built on the hope and animosity that courses through the veins of all six of us. <laughs> what that means, I couldn't tell you. I might be the ex- executive vice president of like creative, uh, HR, um, labor relations, you name it. 
we all have we we carry a lot of titles there. The main thing is we just want to have fun and we just want to make fun of hockey. So that's that's all it is. <laughs> Somebody says it's the Steve Dangle Podcast Network. You have to scream and be mad a little bit when I have something to do. I do, the thing is I don't want to be fake, right? Guys, I don't want to, if I'm fake about it, you will know. And that's what makes Steve so great is that he's not fake. And he really does wear his heart on his sleeve like that. And if you ever watch a Leafs game with him, you will know right away because he's intense. So I will scream and yell when I have something to scream and yell about. But for right now, I, I just don't have that in me, especially at uh, 1.30 in the morning with the kids asleep. So uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Everybody subscribe to Scorch Stack. Thank you, Mike Fail, for joining me. Thanks, everyone here live and everybody who watches it on the replay or listens on the podcast. Love you all. Thanks to the mods. And uh, head on over to sdpn.ca. Get the SDPN app. Head over to the merch store. Get some amazing Game Over merchandise. Yeah. And some SDPN stuff. I have, uh, I'm going to wear it on the next stream. I have an amazing SDPN pride shirt. There's some cool shit on that site. You can even get a hat that says hat. Get all a right. hat. <laughs> exactly.